Good morning, everyone. My name is Sue, and I want to give you a very warm welcome here today, especially if it is your first time with us. It is great to have you here. And I'm part of the leadership team, and over the last few months, we have been looking at our series, The King and His Kingdom, and we've been seeing how Jesus turned up and change happened. Um, Jesus, the King of the Kingdom, interacting with those around him causes things to change. And we've already been hearing about that um, this morning through our worship. It was so exciting last week seeing so many people having that trust and faith in Jesus as they came down to the front to be prayed for. But what is even more exciting is hearing the stories of what God has been doing, how people were healed last week. You know, I've heard of of, um, someone who was healed here as they were being prayed for, but I've also heard of someone who wasn't even in the building, but a relative came out and asked for prayer for this person who was too sick to come to church, and they were healed. God is on the move, and it is good. So today, I'm looking at how the kingdom delivers. C.S. Lewis, an incredible 20th century theologian and writer, wrote in the Screwtape Letters, There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves, the devils, are equally pleased by both errors. Before I go any further, I want to pray for us. Father, thank you that you are here. Thank you for your presence with us. And Father, I pray you will help me now as I teach. You will help um, everyone here, everyone watching online as they listen. And I pray, Father, you will protect us from either of these two errors today. Amen. God is sovereign. All power and authority belong to him. We do not live in a dualistic world where the powers of good and evil, opposite um, opposing forces, struggle against each other. It's not the case that a battle is happening and we're waiting to see what's going to happen. The devil does have some power in our fallen world, but Ultimately, God is all-powerful. His power is much, 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 infinitely more than the devil's. And in fact, the devil cannot act without God's permission in this world. And we see this in the book of Job, where God allowed Satan to inflict Job's family and all that he had, but God said he wouldn't allow Satan to even lay a finger on Job himself without God allowing him to. Life may be hard. We see terrible atrocities in the world. The culture around us may increasingly be turning away from God. We may be left with many things in our lives that we do not understand. But God's 
ultimate victory over the devil is certain. Nothing, nothing, nothing is going to change that. That is why this morning we can worship. That is why we can trust in God. And as Jesus started his public ministry, he was God in human form. He was the king demonstrating his power, demonstrating his authority and extending his kingdom. Jesus spoke to his disciples in John 16, verse 33, and he said, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. We have trouble. None of us are immune from it. But not all trouble comes from the devil or from evil spirits. A medieval theologian, Thomas Aquinas, said that enemies of the soul or our troubles come from three places. They come from the world, the flesh, and the devil. So, for example, if someone has severe back pain, it could be due to whiplash from a car accident. That's the world. It could be a kidney infection. That's the flesh. Or it could be an evil spirit afflicting you. That's the devil. Similarly, a migraine, it could be due to excessive screen use, the world. It could be eating chocolate, if that is a trigger for your migraines, the flesh. Or, again, it could be an evil spirit afflicting you. They're just some examples. Please don't all start emailing me this afternoon and saying, my migraines are because of this, or my bad backs because of this. They're just examples that we can be affected in these different areas. Not everything bad is from the devil. So the, but the good news is that whatever the cause of our troubles, Jesus is greater. So in our story today, we see Jesus and his disciples sailing to the region of the Gerasenes, which is a cross on the eastern shore of the Lake Galilee. They were on mission. Jesus was actively going to a place where humanly he would be unwelcome and face opposition. There would be a clash of the Jewish and the Gentile cultures. To say the people either side of the lake disliked each other would have been mild. In general, they despised one another. But Jesus wanted to show that his compassion, his grace, and his authority even reached to the non-Jews. The kingdom was for everyone. But Jesus experienced more than just opposition from the Gentiles. Irene's read it, but I'm going to read again. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, son of the Most High God? I beg you don't torture me for Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man many times it had seized him and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard he had broken his chains and had been driven by the demon into solitary places Jesus was met by a demon possessed man 
The man didn't conform with the accepted behavior of those around him. He was naked. He no longer lived in his house, but wanted to be among the dead. He was violent. He resisted those who were trying to keep him safe. And when this same story is told in the book of Mark, it says he would cut himself with stones. He was very ill and he needed to be made well. The Gospels recall many, many healings. Sometimes Jesus laid hands on people and they were healed. Sometimes he spoke healing to someone who was far away, as with a centurion's servant, and they were healed. Sometimes people were healed because they simply touched um, Jesus' clothes. Some were healed just because they were near Jesus as power went out from him. A blind man was healed when Jesus spat on the soil, made a mud pie, and put it on his eyes. And at other times, Jesus took authority over evil spirits, the demons left, and the person was free. But Jesus always knew what to do. He always knew whether the issue was sin or sickness or the demonic. And whatever the issue was, he always had the power and the authority to deal with it and bring healing and wholeness. The man had seen Jesus coming across the lake, he'd watched where they were going to land, and he went to meet them and fell at Jesus' feet. We don't know if it was the man himself who fell at Jesus' feet, um, longing to be free and recognizing that this man had power. We don't know if it was the demons in the man who threw him down at Jesus' feet, even in that showing their submission to Jesus' authority. Either way, the demons recognized Jesus, they knew who he was, and they knew his presence meant they were under attack. And we then have a conversation between Jesus and the demons. Demons can talk. They may talk with the the voice of the person that they are afflicting, but often they use a different voice. Demons can also stop people talking. Particularly, they can stop people praying. They can stop people declaring the name of Jesus. They can stop people worshipping. So Jesus asked him in verse 30, what is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him. And they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. A legion was the largest unit of the highly ordered Roman army. A legion could contain up to 6,000 fighting men. There weren't necessarily 6,000 demons within this man, but there were a lot of them. And they may have used this name, Legion, to try and intimidate Jesus and his disciples, basically saying, there's a lot of us and we're ready for the fight. And yet, they begged him not to send them to the abyss, the bottomless pit that we read of in Revelation 9. Even at this point, the demons knew they had no choice but to submit to Jesus' authority. So verse 32, a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs and he gave them permission. 
When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs. The herd rushed down the steep slope into the lake and was drowned. The man was miraculously delivered of his demons, a deliverance on Gentile soil. The presence of the pigs confirmed this fact as no one reared pigs on Jewish soil. The kingdom of God was advancing, and Luke wanted his readers to get the point. The good news wasn't just for the Jews. The good news was available for all. But it wasn't good news for the pigs. If you are a pig lover, you might be getting upset by this part of the story. If you enjoyed a vegan bacon butty today, you might be getting offended by what Jesus did. But Jesus was perfect, and he always did the right thing. In John 10.10, Jesus said, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus here is using the picture of a thief to illustrate the devil's activity in people's lives. This man in our story, his life was being stolen from him. His freedom has gone. He was being destroyed. And what Jesus did in this story was show how his power was greater than all the works of the devil. But why did the demons have to go into the pigs? Jesus hadn't done that before, had he? When he'd healed other people, when he'd um, brought deliverance um, previously. Surely pigs are part of his creation. Maybe, maybe, the man needed to see visually what was happening. Maybe the only way he could believe that Jesus had totally set him free, that the demons weren't going to come back, was to see them drowned in the lake. Maybe Jesus wanted the people to see the true intention of the demons was to actually kill this man, bring destruction and death. We don't know. But what we do know is that this one man, one person created in the image of God, one tormented, lonely individual living in a graveyard, self-harming and seriously unwell, one man was more important to Jesus than a whole herd of pigs. And you may feel today that you are useless. You may feel today that your life is not worth living. And that is a lie. And it comes from the devil who Jesus called a liar and the father of all lies. You are a child of the king of kings. You are made in the image of God. And he loves you more than you could ever, ever know. The story continues. When those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and the countryside. When they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. The kingdom breaks out and change happens. The man was no longer being thrown to the ground by the demons, but he was sitting still at Jesus' feet. He didn't simply want the gift, his freedom. He wanted the giver. 
He was no longer tormented, but calm. He was not threshing around, but still. He wasn't living with the shame of nakedness, but he was clothed. The kingdom breaks out and deliverance occurs. The kingdom breaks out and the man is set free. He was healed in body, in mind, and in spirit. And Jesus is still able to do the same today. He still has power over the demonic. He still has power over physical sickness. He still has power over mental health challenges. Nothing is too big a problem for Jesus. Do people still have evil spirits today? Yes, absolutely. Can Christians, people here in this room, be affected by evil spirits? Yes. But if you are a Christian, you cannot be possessed like the man in our story. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 says... Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. When my husband and I bought our current house, we took possession of it. Our names were on the mortgage, the keys were in our hands. The previous occupants had gone. Similarly, when a person becomes a Christian, they are a new creation. They are owned or possessed by Christ. The devil cannot possess them any longer. The devil is no longer in control. But you know, the previous owners of my house had left an awful lot of rubbish and dirt. And so had their pets. We discovered the fitted wardrobes in one bedroom were more free-falling than fitted. There was additional ventilation in our bedroom where the brickwork and the window didn't quite meet. I could go on. Immediately, we started to clear out the rubbish. In time, the non-fitted wardrobes were taken away, and eventually, a builder came and sorted out our bedroom wall. And when people become Christians, it can be a bit like this. Yes, they are a new creation, but there may be a lot of rubbish to get rid of. The person may even be afflicted by evil spirits, but through prayer, through ministry, and sometimes even deliverance, they gradually enter into all the freedom that is available in the kingdom of the king. When Jesus sent out his disciples in Matthew 10, he told them to proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal those who are ill, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. And repeatedly in the book of Acts, we see the believers continuing to do these things. People were being set free because they knew they had received power from the Holy Spirit and they understood the authority they had as children of the King. People sometimes ask me, do we not believe in deliverance in Jubilee? But what I think they mean is, why don't we see it? Absolutely, we believe in deliverance. 
Phil was giving an example of it last week. But we also believe in protecting the individual, in maintaining people's dignity, in promoting a safe environment. So unless you're directly involved, it's unlikely that you will ever see deliverance happening or know that it's gone on. If an evil spirit starts to make itself known on a Sunday morning, the leaders will just go over, they'll quietly take authority in the name of Jesus, they'll tell it to be silent, and then they'll arrange a time with that person to meet and pray and seek God's healing and deliverance. Deliverance isn't a spectator sport. So at the end of this story, we see two opposing responses, and we don't see anybody bothering about the pigs. The people who had come to see what had happened were overcome with fear, or as the ESV says, they were seized with great fear. In fact, they were so scared, they asked Jesus to leave. They had concrete proof of Jesus transforming power, of his compassion on the man, of his ability to do the miraculous, but sadly, they didn't want any of it. There was a clash of the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. Jesus didn't argue. He didn't ask if anyone else needed healing. He got into the boat and left. He was doing the right thing, but how tragic for those people. The kingdom was breaking out and they didn't want to know. They were passive observers of the power of God. You can come into Jubilee, you can watch online, you can even come to the front and be prayed for, but unless you choose to say yes to Jesus, unless you're willing to make room for him in your life, then nothing changes. The people didn't want Jesus to stay and he left. Don't leave this place today without Jesus. Don't leave this place knowing what it means to have him as your Lord and Saviour. Come to the front at the end. Come and find out more about what allowing Jesus to be king in your life means. So that was the response of the crowds, the people that had come from the village. But an opposite response is seen in the man who had been demon-possessed, who was now healed, who was transformed and free. He begged to go with Jesus But Jesus had other plans for him. He was to go and tell his friends and family what God had done. Jesus wasn't simply a nice add-on. He wasn't just the old life, but a miracle. The old routine, but Jesus had turned up. It was total, complete transformation. And that life was a powerful testimony to Jesus' power, even for the Gentiles. Colossians 1, verse 13 and 14 says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That man needed rescuing by Jesus, but so does every single person. Isaiah 53, verse 6 says clearly, We 
all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Each of us has gone our old way. We live in a society that has turned its back on the true God. The secular worldview is that there is no God, that happiness, success, identity, they're all internal. So from this point, every one of us needs to turn from what the Bible calls the kingdom of darkness and come into the kingdom of light. Ephesians 5, verse 8 and 10 says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. This is what we are called to. Yes, we have an enemy. Yes, he is at work in this world. But we are called to live as children of the light, to be declaring the truths of God's kingdom, to making a difference where God has called us to be, just as the man was told to do at the end of our story. Living as children of the light means standing up for those who have no voice. It means treating everyone as a precious individual made in the image of God. It means blessing those who insult you and praying for those who persecute you. It means living as Jesus lived. It means pleasing God. Ephesians 6 verse 10 and 12 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Yes, Ungodly principalities and powers in this world are strong, but God is stronger. Jesus totally defeated all the works of the devil on the cross. And we get to live in the incredible blessing and freedom of his sacrifice. The demon-possessed man could do nothing to deliver himself. He needed rescuing and Jesus was the rescuer. And none of us today can fix ourselves. None of us today can heal ourselves. Only the power of God can rescue us from our sins, can bring healing where we need healing, and can enable us to overcome the works of the devil. Can you stand, please? Romans 8 says at the end, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for us 
And then I'm simply going to say, today, if you want freedom, come to the front and we can pray for you. Come to the front. Whatever you need freedom from today, whether you need freedom physically, maybe you, maybe you were a bit healed last week, but you're not fully healed, come to the front and we can pray for healing again. It might be that you need freedom from anxiety. It might be you need freedom from your past, but just as Jesus was able to bring freedom to this man, he can bring freedom today. Yeah, Holy Spirit, will you come now? Will you come? Father, I say thank you that nothing can separate us from your love today. Nothing, nothing, nothing can separate us from your love. Father, I want to pray across this place right now that you will be pouring faith into people's lives. You will be pouring fresh faith and people will know that we don't just come here and sing about freedom, but we come here, we come to the giver of freedom. Holy Spirit, will you come and will you be moving? Will you giving us, be giving us fresh confidence that nothing can separate us from your love? Nothing can separate us from your power. Nothing can separate us from the freedom that you, you long to give us in Jesus today.